We are beginning a new series, as you heard this morning. And as we begin this new series, it's going to be a series that is going to focus on the values that we hold as a church. And these are powerful, powerful values. Our challenge to you in these next eight weeks is that through this series, you would deepen in your walk with Jesus Christ, that you would come to build disciplines in your life that draw you closer to the Lord as you mature, as you strengthen, as you exercise spiritual muscles that you have maybe never exercised before. And this morning, we're going to be looking at three questions as we introduce this series to you. But I want to show you a quick video, and I promise I will rarely ever do this. But this happens to be a video of my one-year-old granddaughter. Oh boy, here we go. Home movies for the pastor. No, I'm not going to be doing that. I just couldn't find anything else that really communicated what I wanted to communicate, as well as this one did. And my son and my daughter-in-law, just in case for some of you who are a little worried about this, they said, yeah, show it. My kids years ago said to me, Dad, you could tell any story about us, even if it's not a flattering story. And I said, thank you, because I was going to do it anyways. <laughs> but I want you to watch this video of our one-year-old granddaughter. Her name is Joelle. They call her Jojo, who is learning how to walk. Oh, Why did I show you that? Because I'm really proud of my granddaughter. No, that's not why. The reason I showed that video to you is JoJo's a year old, and that's about where we would expect her to be, right? Learning how to walk. We would expect that a one-year-old who's otherwise healthy will be learning how to walk, will be learning how to move her body from place to place and beginning to say words and to see her little legs kind of shaking like that. We expect that for where she is developmentally. Now, I want you to imagine this. That same little girl, otherwise completely healthy, now is a 10-year-old. And there's mom and dad with the, with the camera taking a picture of her learning how to walk. Now again, she's otherwise perfectly healthy. There's no issues in her life physically, emotionally, mentally. No issues in her life. She's otherwise completely healthy. And mom and dad and big sister, go, Jojo, you can do this. You can take a step. Now most of us would think, well, that's not usual. That's a little strange. We would expect that somebody who's otherwise healthy at 10 years old is able to walk, has already developed the ability to move like that. What I want you to think about is this. 
How long have you been a follower of Jesus? Some of you a year, some of you five years, some of you 20 years, some of you 70 years. I want to ask you this. Does your spiritual walk today, does your spiritual maturity match the number of years that you have known Christ? Are you spiritually where you should be for the number of years or the number of months that you have been a follower of Jesus Christ? Or has somehow your growth been stunted? Is somehow your development not happened like it should? I know when I think about this question, I have to look at my own life and I see areas where I need to grow. And this is what this series is all about. We're going to be focusing on the values of our church. And these values are all about spiritual formation, spiritual growth, so that we can begin more and more to live the life that God has called us to live in Jesus Christ. Friends, where are you spiritually in light of the number of years and the amount of time that you have been a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you where you think you should be at this point in your spiritual development? There are many passages in the New Testament that talk about this. The Apostle Paul talks at length about these issues. But here's one that comes from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Listen to what it says. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, for those of you who are believers... For those of you who are disciples of Jesus, who have made that decision that Jesus will be my Savior and my Lord, look at, where, look at how long ago that decision was made. Now here's the challenge. Paul says, this has happened, therefore, continue to live your lives in Christ. Continue to live your lives in Christ. Well, what does that look like? What does that mean? That's what this series is going to address. Are we living our lives in Christ? He goes on and he says, rooted and built up in him. Rooted. What does it mean to be rooted? Think of a tree or a plant that's been planted and now its roots are going deep into the soil. So as Kyle reminded us in that powerful passage from Romans 8, that no matter what we face in life, nothing can shake us. Because we are rooted in Christ. We are living our lives in Christ. We are rooted in Christ. We are being built up in Christ. We are maturing in Christ. We are developing in Christ. We no longer consume milk as a, as a baby, an infant would, but we are eating, as the Apostle Paul said, solid foods that mark the amount of time that we have been living in Christ. We are growing. We are maturing. Anything that's alive will grow. And then he says this, strengthened in the faith. And that is a verb that means strengthened and continuing to be strengthened in the faith. Which is a reflection that I am, I am a follower of Jesus with a certain level of spiritual maturity. But that maturity is growing and it's strengthening in me. And it continues and it says, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude and thankfulness to God.
Friends, do you hunger for that? Boy, I do. I want to live in Christ. I want to be rooted in Christ. I want to grow as a disciple of Jesus. I don't want my growth to be stunted. I don't want my maturity to stop at a level that is far below where I should be for the number of years that I have been a follower of Jesus. In this series, we are going to encourage you. We are going to give you opportunity. We are going to strengthen you. We are going to to provide all sorts of different things that you can do in your life to grow as a follower of Jesus. And it begins with this foundation this morning. Three foundational questions that we want you to ask this morning. Here's the first one. How can I know that I am growing as a disciple of Jesus? How can I know? What are the markers? What are the, what are the, um, the things that I can look at to weigh my life against and say, am I where I should be? What are those markers? Well, the Apostle Paul describes them here in this passage in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 24. We looked at it just a few weeks ago, but we want to look back at it now. Listen to what Paul says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. He then says, against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is what he's saying. That as we allow Christ to crucify our old nature, which is rooted in self-centeredness, in promoting ourselves, living for ourselves, as we choose to crucify that, we are empowered and freed now to reflect the very character of Jesus the love of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, the peace of Jesus, the self-control of Jesus. Remember that the word here, fruit, is plural. It's not singular. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Why is that important? What we said a few weeks ago is simply this. We're not talking about one fruit. A lot of people, what a lot of Christians do, they look at that list and say, okay, well, I'm pretty good and, and kind. I'm a good, kind person. And I'm pretty faithful. I'm doing good. That's not how we read the list. You will have some areas you naturally will do better in. What this list reflects is all of that fruit should be growing in our lives. You may be terrible naturally in self-control. But as you grow in the spirit... Self-control will be growing in you naturally. It has to happen. It's organic. It's the result of living in Christ. It's the result of growing in your faith. So even those ones that are strong in you, faithfulness continues to grow. But all of the fruit of the Spirit become markers of how I am doing in my spiritual life. So I want to ask you this morning as you hear these words, love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. As you hear that list and you weigh your life against it, where are you spiritually? How 
are you doing spiritually? We can't measure spiritual life by how much I feel God. Some days you will, for whatever reason, some days you just feel like you're, you're walking by the Spirit, the Spirit's empowering you. Other days, for whatever reason, you just don't feel it. But you look at your life and, you, and the people around you say, wow, I see this in you. I see the markers of the Holy Spirit in you. It's powerful. It's beautiful. Now, as we look at this, I want you to look at what, how we're going to define maturity in faith. It's looking more like Jesus. Now, what do I mean by that? I don't mean you're going to grow a beard, although we don't know really he had a beard, but all the pictures I've seen, he had a beard. We don't know if he had a beard, but it doesn't mean you're going to grow a beard. It, it means that in your character, you will look more like Jesus in the fruit of the Spirit. You will respond to circumstances in a way that Jesus would if he were in your place. You would make decisions about your future through a process that reflects Jesus himself. Now, friends, I want to say something here. You can look on the outside like Jesus and have a heart that is far from God. Who were the people who most opposed Jesus when he walked on the earth? It was the religious community. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders. They were the ones who most opposed Jesus. And yet they were the ones who on the outside most looked like Jesus. So it's not just about doing what Jesus did. It's also having the motivation of Jesus. It's also having the heart of Jesus and the desires of Jesus. So we don't want to just look like Jesus. We want to think more like Jesus. Everything you feel and everything you choose to do ultimately comes from something you believe. Now, in my life, I do a lot of, well, let's just say dumb things. And when I do something dumb, what I tend to do is think, okay, why in the world did I just say that? Is it just me? Yeah, okay. No, thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Why did I do that? Because it's something ultimately that I believe. I am not thinking like Jesus. I have a belief, a false belief, a deception of Satan himself that I have grown up with, I've learned at some point, and it's something that I'm, I still hold on to. So I don't only want to look more like Jesus, I want to think more like Jesus. I want to have the world view of Jesus. Third, I want to feel with the heart of Jesus. I want to mourn with the things that God mourns about in this world. I think we weep about, often about the wrong things. We often are not weeping about the things that break the heart of God. We are weeping about other things that in the full scheme of eternity aren't that important. I want to have the heart of God where I see things and I'm broken by the things that break the heart of God. And I'm driven in, in, in the anguish of, the, of a broken world by the things that hurt the heart of God. And I want to have joy about the things that bring God joy. And finally, maturity is following the spiritual practices of Jesus. Now hear this. It's following the spiritual practices of Jesus 
that bring maturity to our lives so that we can look like Jesus, think like Jesus, feel with the heart of Jesus. It's following these spiritual practices that go back to even before the first century. But even before Jesus, God gave these disciplines to his people. And it's by following the spiritual practices of Jesus then that we begin to look like Jesus naturally, not putting on airs, not trying to impress each other, but actually naturally putting on the character of Jesus because we are following the spiritual practices of Jesus. And we'll see those in just a moment. Friends, that's what this series is all about. And so I want to lay out for you what we will be doing here in the next eight weeks. We are going to be looking at the spiritual practices, the markers of spiritual growth. Now, here is, I think I went, did I go one too many? Yeah. Oh. Uh-oh. Okay, I'm on fire here. Here they are. Renewed. These are the spiritual core values of our church. And over the next eight weeks, we are going to be looking at these core values. Why? Because we believe that these core values reflect the heart of Jesus and the spiritual practices of Jesus. And so we are going to talk next week about what it means to be rooted in Scripture. We're going to talk about what it means to earnestly seek after God. We're going to talk about what it means to practice natural outreach. In fact, that week, we have uh, somebody coming in who actually wrote this book that Pastor Lon mentioned this morning, Organic Disciples. This book is available out in the lobby if you haven't picked it up. He's going to be here on October 2nd to preach on that value. We are going to talk about how to develop biblical engaging relationships on the human level. Most of us, our relationships, even in our marriages, reflect the rules of the world, not biblical truth and biblical teaching about how we are to relate to one another. We are going to talk about what it looks like to have wholehearted generosity. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave the life of his one and only son. We are to practice generosity and it's so, such a powerful spiritual discipline. We are going to talk about being equipped for ministry to carry out the work of Jesus in this world, the ongoing work. And we're going to talk about, uh, and it's not in this book, but it's something that we're going to talk about, and that is diverse unity. How can we practice loving one another by not only being truthful, but also on those things that aren't core to the Christian faith. How can we make allowances for one another? How can we extend mercy and grace to one another? Friends, these are markers of the Christian life. Now, we want to give you an opportunity, hopefully in the next couple of days, for you to do a, a, an assessment, a spiritual markers assessment of where you are today with six of the seven um, values that I just shared with you, all but diverse unity. You see this in your, in your bulletin this morning. This there is, and you see it here, crosspointchino.org backslash growth. 
If you go to that, it'll take you about 10 or 15 minutes. Here's what will happen. You will receive from that uh, an, uh, uh, results that will show you where you are relatively strong in the core values of our church and where you need to grow in the core values of our church. Then you will receive different encouragements and how you can grow in those areas where you need to grow. Friends, we don't want to just tell you to go grow. We want to give you tools to grow in your faith. You'll also have opportunity, for those of you who are interested, you'll have opportunity to sign up to have a one-on-one -on -one for 30 minutes with some member of our team to talk with you about that area where you need to grow and want to grow, and they will help you to grow in that area of your faith. Friends, we don't want to just say, hey, you should be reading the Word of God, you should be praying, you should be seeking the Lord, you should be fasting, you should be doing all these things. We want to equip you in how to do these things. We want to help you in accountability to do these things. But it begins by taking a step in the next couple of days. Take this spiritual assessment that you'll find online on our website. You will get just your results. Nobody else will see your results. The church will actually receive an aggregate of the entire congregation, whoever takes it, and we will get a chance to see where we are as a church where we need to grow as a church, as disciples, as followers of Christ. Sound good? This is going to be powerful for you and for the church. As we continue, I want you to see the second question, and that's this. Is discipleship really bigger than just me and Jesus? I think often in our American church culture, we talk a lot about just my spiritual walk, my spiritual formation, my spiritual life, my life with Jesus. It's about what's happening with me and how I'm growing and how I'm developing. But that's not the biblical picture. When we talk about being a disciple of Jesus, we are talking about as a community, us as a people together. Christianity in, in this life is not to be lived alone. It's to be lived in community. And God uses community to help us to grow, to help us to become more mature as followers, as disciples of Jesus. I love this passage from 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let me read it to you. It's, 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 it's powerful. You then, now Paul, the Apostle Paul um, we're not quite sure if Timothy came to faith specifically through Paul or through his mother and grandmother. But we do know that Paul's ministry in his first, in his first missionary journey, when he went out and was, was preaching the gospel and building the church in these different communities, that Timothy, his mom, and his grandmother came to faith through that process. So, Paul talks about him as his son. Now, he's not his physical son, it's his spiritual son. So, listen to what he writes. You then, speaking to Timothy, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
God is saying that to you this morning. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Do you feel strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus? Not the grace that is in me. Do you see that? The grace that is in me is not strong. But the grace that is in Christ Jesus empowers me and strengthens me. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, you ready? Entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Do you see how we are to progress as disciples? As I have received Christ and begin to grow in my faith, I share with others who then share with others. That first generation are my spiritual children. That second generation, my spiritual grandchildren, and so on and so forth. And every disciple of Jesus should have spiritual children and spiritual grandchildren and spiritual great-grandchildren. I love that today is National Grandparents Day. But it's more than blood. It's spirit. Who are we allowing God through us to give life to and then who are then in turn giving life? Here's the way it looks. We see this. Oh, I'm going. Yeah, thank you. Paul, Paul building into Timothy is the first generation. Paul is building into Timothy. Who is building into you? Who are you building into? Paul is building into Timothy. The second generation, as Timothy is growing in his faith, he begins to build into others. And as he is building into others, they in turn now build into others. Let me, let me describe it this way. In my own life, I didn't know Jesus for most of my growing up life as a child. I met Jesus in high school. Now, as I look back on that, there were three people who were very significant in my life in that process. My brother Chris... Of our friend Ken Harrowert and my youth pastor Dan Webster. They were instrumental in helping me not only to meet Jesus but then to grow in my faith as a Christian. As I continued to grow I had people that built into me as a pastor and mentored me. Wayne Anderson, Paul Ulrichson, these are people that built into me as a pastor and, and, and continued to challenge me to grow and mature in my faith. And as that was happening, I began to build into the lives of others. And so I, there are many, many, many people I could talk about, but I want to share about Gibby. Gibby is my buddy. Gibby um, I met in my last church. And every year we would do vacation Bible school, and um, we had an enormous amount of kids. And every year they gave me the third grade boys. They thought that would kind of match my maturity level. They gave me lots of people to help me because uh, I was kind of naughty sometimes. And one of them was Gibby. Gibby was a junior high boy who was a volunteer. He was in the eighth grade. And I saw in Gibby this love for the Word of God. I mean, I was blown away by Gibby. He loved Christ. He loved 
He loved ministry. He loved the Word of God. And, and so Gibby and I started to, I started to build into him. I said, Gibby, what I want you to do is I want you to share your testimony in front of these kids because they see me as a pastor and as an old guy. I'm supposed to do that. But Gibby, you're all just a little older than they are. When they see you talk about Jesus, it will go further. And so Gibby shared his story about Jesus. And as the years went by, Gibby and I were doing this every year, the fourth grade boys, about 30 boys every year, we, different group of, groups of boys, we would, we would minister to those boys. And as I'm building into Gibby, Gibby begins to build into other people. In fact, today, he's a youth pastor. Gibby is building into the lives of, of, built in the lives of many students over the years. I have the privilege of being grandpa to a lot of these spiritual children of Gibby's. Friends, that is the church. That is discipleship. That's how we are to live together. Together we are to minister. Who is building into you and who are you building into? We're going to be talking about that in the weeks ahead. And then the third, the third question that we, well here, let me define discipleship for you. I love this. Discipleship is whenever a follower of Jesus helps another person take a next step closer to the Savior. Can you do that? Absolutely. And you know what? You can do that until you take your final breath in this world. Now maybe it's going to be your own children. We have a responsibility as parents to build into our and disciple our own children. We have a responsibility as grandparents to build and disciple and build into the lives of our grandchildren. On October 1st, we're going to equip you to do that very thing. Parents, grandparents, anybody who works with children. Kevin Harney, who wrote the book, and his wife Sherry, they're authors. Uh, Kevin's an incredible pastor. He's going to do a seminar here at Crosspoint from 2 to 5 on October 1st. You'll be hearing more about it. And he is going, to, and Sherry are going to equip us and how to be more effective at discipling the next generation, sharing faith and building into the next generation. We don't believe that we should all just be naturally good at that, even as parents. We want to equip you. We want to train you because it's one of the values of our church. And then finally, what is the relationship, and I'm not going to spend much time on this one, but what's the relationship between discipleship and evangelism? Sadly, Often people say, well, I'm just an evangelist, I don't disciple, or I just disciple, I don't evangelize. No, 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 no. Every believer is to do both. And we as a church will equip and train you to do both. I know you can't read this, so I, I know, I know. All I want to do is to give you a sense of the flow. If you go all the way to the left, negative 20, it might be somebody who is a confirmed atheist. But what we see is as we as we minister to them, they begin to move from evangelism to discipleship. It's all part of the same process until they become radical followers of Jesus Christ. That is what we long for here at Crosspoint. We will teach you how to do natural outreach, and we will equip and we will train you in how to build into the lives of people so that they can take just another step 
toward greater and deeper spiritual maturity. Friends, I got to tell you, this excites me. This is what the church of Jesus Christ should be doing. And we are now at the point where we are able to begin to do this together as the body of Christ. Now, I know some of you here this morning, I know what you're thinking because I've been out there and I've thought this before myself. Maybe what you're thinking this morning is, hey, I, I've tried spiritual growth before and I just I get excited for a week and then, pfft. sound familiar? I get it. I get it. You know, spiritual, like any relationship, it goes up and down, up and down, up and down. But the problem is, many of us go down and we just quit. No. We're going to help you in that. Or I'm in terrible spiritual shape. I can't imagine that I could ever experience great change. Or I don't think I can do this. I'm going to close with this story or this illustration. About 60 of us, I still can't believe this, signed up to run the LA Marathon in March together. And through this, we're going to be raising support for the Water Project for World Vision. I am not a runner. The idea of running a marathon, even half a marathon, is daunting to me. But here's the reality. The marathon isn't tomorrow. The marathon isn't next week. The marathon is in March. And we have a team that's working, developing a process for us, a plan for us to, to get in shape so that we don't kill ourselves doing the marathon or the half marathon because we're going to follow that plan. You see, the plan will allow us to bite off a little bit at a time so when that day comes, we'll be prepared. I want you to think with that image, I want you to think about your spiritual life. We have a plan that we're bringing before you. If you follow that plan, it's just taking a step, and every step you take is a step into deeper spiritual maturity, deeper into Christ, learning to love and to be loved by our Savior. Friends, that's extraordinary. Here's what I want to do right in this moment. I want us to take uh, a few moments, and uh, Tim, you want to come on up? We're going to take a few moments, and we're going to take a few moments of silence. And in this time of silence, what I want to invite you to do is to reflect on where you are in your spiritual life. Just ask the Lord, Lord, where am I? What do you want to say to me today about my spiritual life? What do you want to say to me today about where I am? But not just that, Lord. Where can I be? Where can I go? My heart's desire is that we as a community of faith will walk through this process together. And this is just the beginning. We have an, an entire thing that we're going to do as a church to help us to grow and to mature that we would begin to disciple and build into the generation to come and to build even those who are maybe older than us in life, but are younger than us spiritually, to 
build into them. What is the Lord saying to you this morning? Let's just take a couple moments of silence. What is God saying to you this morning? give up on us as Kyle reminded us this morning from Romans 8 nothing can separate us from your love and so Father speak to your people may we be known as a people who hunger for the heart of God may we be known as a people who are passionate about faith And Lord, we pray for our church community. I pray, Lord, that we would be light in this world today, in all the places we go. Lord, we would pray this morning for those in our church family who are sick. We pray particularly for Bill Bolveda. Lord, we pray that you would bring healing to his body as he continues to recover from surgery. On this anniversary of 9-11, we pray that you would continue to give protection to our nation. And Lord, we pray that you would empower every step that we take as we seek to be ever more faithful to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.